Alex, I, I feel that I'm being sucked into the void, to, to the Hearthstone void. Oh, are you? You that, that that particular affliction has struck you, eh? Well, well, it's too early to say, but signs point to <laughs> bad things on the horizon. Uh, the Blizzard just released uh, two days ago uh, Hearthstone for the iPad, and I, I played that while we watched some television last night. And then my wife was like, "Hey, let's go to bed." And I was like, "Hey, how about you go to bed?" Yeah. And I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna sit here and keep playing Hearthstone and drain my iPad battery. That sounds a lot like me when I was super into uh, Civ Five, where I my girlfriend would walk in at like one in the morning. It's like, "Why are you not asleep? Go to bed now." Um, I have not played any Hearthstone whatsoever. In fact, my only experience with Hearthstone is following Phil Kohler on Twitter and watching him tweet about Hearthstone pretty much nonstop. Tell me more about Hearthstone. It seems like people who play Hearthstone play a lot of Hearthstone. It is not a game that you're like, well, hold on. Let me just let me just dip into a little Hearthstone. It's it's like, no, let me bathe in a lot of Hearthstone. Yeah. I don't play card games. That's I got nothing against them. I just don't have a history with them. Max Temkin keeps yelling at me about that because in the cards office there are like a hundred and fifty different card games right. and board games like no joke <laughs> there are there is a whole wall of card and board games uh that uh, i don't know anything about any of them but so many people had said so many good things about hearthstone and it's out on ipad and it doesn't cost you a dime i know there are you know purchases you can make to to get cards and i'm not sure of the whole uh mechanisms of the purchasing angle of hearthstone but at least like the three hours I have played, uh, you don't need to worry about purchasing anything yet. Okay. Instead, it's just coming to grips with a pretty simple card game that seems to have a lot of depth to it. Okay, so it is a. Re- it, would you say it's relatively easy to get into? Because that has always been my barrier when it comes to uh, uh, card type games like this. Like this is what kept me from ever getting into Magic: The Gathering is that it just never made any goddamn sense to me. You know what I mean? The terminology is terrifying. Okay, I, th- I think that is you know always with card games, especially fantasy bent card games, is just figuring out, wrapping your head around exactly what everyone is talking about is like incredibly difficult, or at least uh, seems incredibly difficult from the outside. So it's sort of like, well, I'll just go play this platformer. I I know how to hit A and jump, right? And and how however they've mixed that up, but. Blizzard has done a tremendous job of easing you into Hearthstone in the easiest way possible. Like even just like simple things, like in the middle of a match, you you know I can only speak to the iPad version. I assume you know it works pretty similarly with a mouse. But you know any any uh, card on the the board, whether it's you know one you're playing or one that the the the, the other your opponent has out and is playing. You just put your finger on it, and then it comes up with a full description of how everything works. Mm. Uh, and uh, over on the left-hand side of the board are all the cards that have been played and what their actions did on the board. So if all of a sudden you're like, wait, 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 I don't – like, why did all of my guys just die? Right. You can go back, and you can uh, essentially see exactly what's happened uh, on the board uh, in, in the last couple of turns. So, And they have a good tutorial that, that runs you through – it's it's – I don't play these games, and I was up and running in about 30 minutes. Goddamn, Blizzard. You know, I mean, to be fair, World of Warcraft was the first MMO I ever really played. I'd always found those things super intimidating, and they found a way to make that accessible to me. 
if they had found a way to make card games accessible to me, this might just be the end of me. Yeah, some folks uh, talking in the chat about how you know it's an, an extremely accessible game that on the high end, uh, at least according to the couple people I saw, you know relies a little much, a little too much on randomization. Mm. Um, I'm not, you know, the, the game you can purchase card packs or you right. can earn card packs through leveling up the different classes, uh, either through single player AI practice modes or uh, through uh, playing against random opponents. Uh, so as your character levels up, uh, you'll uh, earn uh, different abilities for them uh, that are specific to that class. But then if you accomplish certain tasks, such as defeat three enemies or deal 100 damage over the course of 10 matches, then you earn gold, and the gold can then be used to purchase you know, packs, just like with Magic the Gathering or anything, that you don't know exactly what you're getting. Right. You're just opening a card pack. And I have to say, on the iPad version... They make the opening of a digital card pack way more satisfying than it should be. Do they? Does it's, it have like the little crinkle? Does it? Does it make the sound of you opening it up? Do the not cards? Not quite. Just... Not quite that. Okay. It's it's more like so you've got the the screen, you've got the the card pack on your left, and it's not like you know crinkly and aluminum and, and things like that. But you you kind of drag over these these wooden cards, and then they kind of open up in this really you know kind of beautiful spectacular fashion and then you then you tap every single one of them for them to flip and then you get to read the descriptions i don't know there's just something about actually tapping each one of them and then seeing what you got that you know it's not quite opening up the the bag of it like i used to do with pokemon trading cards or back when i was collecting nba cards because mm. it was at the height of michael jordan but it seems like they get about as close as you can get <laughs> with opening a virtual card pack. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what cards did I used to collect when I was a kid? I had a baseball card run for a number of years when I was actually watching baseball as a kid. Uh, I used to have an absolutely disgusting number of uh, Marvel Comics character cards and stuff like that, like X-Men and, and all the, the Marvel Heroes stuff. Uh, I have no idea what happened to those. I think I might have sold them to some kid for not very much money just because I, I felt embarrassed that I had even spent as much money on that shit as I did over the years. Yeah, I collected Pokemon cards and I collected Magic cards, but I never learned how to play Magic. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone was buying these Magic cards. Like, this is at the height of, you know, obviously Magic is still popular, but, you know, we're talking in like the mid late 90s when magic like really caught on in in the mainstream where like in some ways it was cool to buy magic cards but i was mostly just buying them so then i could look in the rarity books and see if i could sell them and i had one card that was worth like $15 but but then there was the problem of how do i sell this card <laughs> yeah yeah that's a fair point yeah, I, I don't know. Hearthstone is one of those games that I keep seeing people talk about. I've thought about it. I still don't know if I would get into it. I mean, the simplicity certainly sounds like it would, you know, it would help a lot, at least as far as my usual barrier to, barrier to entry with those kinds of games. And I, don't, I just, is it fun? Like, is it fun for like a yeah. longer period of time? Like, it. Well, I've played three hours, okay. so I, I guess I can't, you know, I can't speak to what happens beyond, let's say, twenty hours, uh, but. Uh, it's it is really fun like right off the bat and the you know the matchmaking is done really well I think that's probably when I think about the times that I've scared myself off from ever participating in games like this is finding 
people that aren't just going to decimate me, right? Like, how are you supposed to play against people who are on your level or people who aren't just, you know, playing terribly just so you can learn how to play? And that's the beauty of online matchmaking with, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of players is that they can look at what your deck is, what your win-loss ratio is, and uh, what your, you know, the class that you play, and then find someone who is appropriate and so far, you know, of the, I think, seven to ten matches I've played, and I think I've won four of them, uh, they've matched me up very well. So, you know, I, I'm kind of splitting my splitting my wins and my losses, and that feels about right. Okay. Given that I just started playing, uh, but, you know, I've had at least two matches go down to the wire where, you know, I've you start out with 30 health, and it's gotten down to three and four health. Uh, uh, for you know each main character, like the way the game is set up, is that uh, you have uh, sort of your main class, you know, like a mage, a druid, uh, a warrior. Warrior might not have even been one of them, but I don't know stuff like that. You've got I think nine of them, and you start with thirty health, and the cards you're putting down are largely uh, minions, which are just you know different little little enemies, creatures that you're putting down in front of you, and they have their own attributes. Uh, like some of the more useful ones are taunt cards. So basically, uh, when you have your minion creatures on the board, you can have them attack the other enemy's minions, or you can have them attack the main character themselves. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you kill the minions, it's basically you need to take out the main character. So if you want to spend all your time just taking out the, the main opponent, then as soon as you get him to zero health, he could have 10 cards on the board and it won't matter because he's dead. Yeah. Uh, so like taunt cards force the enemy or to, to focus on that one specific card, which is really useful when you know, you've know you got a bunch of other cards you're trying to use to uh, attack the enemy or set up a chain of reactions. And it all sounds really complicated when you say it out loud. It sure does. And when you actually play it, it's incredibly simple they do a great job of communicating a lot of difficult rules visually so you know like for example taunts which is just basically uh, forcing aggro right you know to use a term from from a different game uh it's just nicely and visually communicated through like this like triangle that surrounds the enemy so you know right up front oh right i need to take out these enemies before i can do anything else uh, on the board so it's it is one of those things that because the terminology sounds so dense that I don't blame anyone for being caught off guard, but as someone that has a high resistance to games like this, it's free, man. Yeah. Like, you have an hour that you can you can figure out whether you like this or not, and I think it I think it does its job pretty well. Okay, alright. Well, I'm gonna put this on my iPad, and if I get super into it, and it robs mm-hmm. me of the precious little time I have to dedicate to pay attention to other people uh, that I already have, uh, I'm going to blame you for this when my girlfriend inevitably tries to kill me. Well, that's the beauty of it being on the iPad. And so people were asking, well, why did you wait for the iPad version? And th- the reason is simple is that I spend a lot of time on my computer. Right. A lot of time on my computer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some games I can hook up to my TV and I can transition to my couch. But that's not every game. Not every game makes sense on, on a big old TV. Some games make sense with a, a keyboard and mouse and... Uh, sitting on a couch with a keyboard and mouse doesn't exactly right. work uh, really well. So, as someone that works from home a lot of the time, and is, you know, sometimes works out of the the cards office, I like to get away from my computer <laughs> as much as humanly possible because spending all day on the computer and then all night on the computer, 
that therein lies madness, my friend. And so while Hearthstone is available on the PC and Mac, and you can play it on your uh, your computer, I the fact that I can have it on the iPad, which means I can go up and lay in bed. It means I can go up by the the kitchen while my wife is making dinner. It means I can go lay on the couch while we're watching a television show. Like that's where I can fit in time with the game I'd like to play. But I just don't want to do it on the PC. Patrick, you are never going to get this sickly, pale power that I have going on if you do things like go to <laughs> other rooms or go outside. That's never going to... These bags, these bags under these eyes, mm-hmm. they don't develop if you go outside. you got to sit in one spot in front of one screen for as long as humanly possible to look this fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say this good, but, you know, I, I just... Yeah, I'll let you walk... I'll let you describe that however however way you want to, Alex. I, you know, I'm I'm nothing if not realistic. <laughs> so I, that's what I played okay. last night. And it's been, like, I had a dream about it. I don't know what that dream was, but I know that it involved cards. And it's bad, Alex. Yeah. Like, this is the early, the early days of me playing this game. This seems like this could go to some bad places. Well, I look forward to the next uh, 27 episodes that all lead off with you talking about Hearthstone. It's going to be great. It's going to be a fun discussion yeah. while I sit there and I'll continue sh- to not play it. I'll show you my cards. I'll hold up my iPad, and I'll read you the description. Your Hearthstones. It'll show me them. Mm. Mm. Uh, so what did you do this week? Uh, I played uh, Trials Fusion a lot. I spent a lot so- of time playing Trials heard mixed things about this new one i have mixed feelings about it uh, okay so here's Tell the thing me. i played a lot of trials fusion because at its core at its heart its soul uh it is still a trials game and any version of trials anything where i get to drive the stupid little motorcycle over these stupid courses and wreck dudes and you know do the stunts and and what have you that's fine by me i'll play it you know I, I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff that said this is probably the least excited I have been playing a Trials game. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is. I've only unlocked, I don't know, like probably half of the story areas and stuff, and uh, mostly just been kind of fucking around trying to get better medals on ones I've already played. But I think the magic has worn off a little bit with that game. Like, the track designs are cool. It's fu- It's basically fun. It's basically Trials. But that's the thing, is that it's still just kind of feels like more trials like there's that whole intro song that plays which is god damn it i wonder sometimes what this this series would look like if it was made by a team that actually had music taste uh <laughs> it's from what, like sweden right? i don't know but it's like the songs in those games are always horrible and i'm sorry this welcome to the future song that plays at the beginning every time you boot up the game is horrendous i don't care what anyone says it's horrible and it's also ironic because it's yelling welcome to the future Here's some more of this Trials game you've been playing since like the fuck you know the beginning of the Xbox 360. Like it's fine. It's 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 more of what you've already played. And I just I don't know for some reason it's just not hooking me quite the same way that the other games have. Like the track design seemed good. Like it's it looks better. I guess you know. I mean it certainly doesn't look you know overly impressive for a game that's on the PS4 and Xbox One, but it's fine. But that's all it is. I mean, it it's trials. Fun. How much? How much are they going to do to trials? Yeah, right? like it's not. It's not exactly a the height of 
you know, technical expertise, it's it's always been a good-looking game. Yeah. It just looks slightly gooder. Well, it hasn't always... Like, the very first one, Trials HD, does not is not a great-looking game. But then again, it also only t- really takes place inside a warehouse. So that's, you know, there's limits to what you can do with that. But, right. you know, yeah, it, it just... It doesn't feel like they're expanding it in ways that are, like, overly interesting. And, you know, it, the, the track difficulty... Like, I always hit a point. There's always a point in every Trials game where the track difficulty, like the constant bunny hopping and having to navigate obstacles, just becomes a little too much. And that's where I inevitably just sort of, like, hit the brakes. I'm like, I'm done. Uh, I feel like I've already gotten pretty close to that point with this one, and I've only been playing it for, like, two days. So... I don't you spend know. a lot of time trying to do the medals and things like that, yeah, or you I just mean, try to beat the levels. Yeah, I'm trying to get like you know minimum silver medal on most. I'm trying to get the gold wherever I can. I'm going back. If I get a bronze, I just keep playing until I do better. Um, okay. And at this point, you know, getting as far as I have, like I'm, I'm able to deal with the 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 more complex obstacles. But I can feel that wall just like it. I'm almost there. I'm almost at that point where no more trials will be played by me. Uh, and I'm kind of bummed because, you know, I usually like to get at least a few weeks out of those games, and now I feel like I'm kind of like, eh, all right, I kind of had my fill, I'm good, which is disappointing. I've never seriously played any of these games. I briefly tried to get into, Evolution was the last one, right? Yeah, yeah, Evolution, I believe, was the last one. And then there's also that one they just put out on on iPad, which I can't remember the name of. Yeah. And, yeah, so I I just, you know, it's not that the, the series doesn't appeal to me, I just, for whatever reason have been playing something else every time uh, it comes along. So it kind of sounds like you're more just experiencing series fatigue than necessarily the series going in a weird direction. Although I've heard that people are not big fans of the trick system that was implemented into this one. It's So the trick system, I got used to Can you explain what it. it is? Yeah, so like when you're going off jumps uh, or ramps or whatever... Uh, pressing different directions on the right control stick, uh, you know, just pressing back does a trick, press forward does a different trick, uh, doing it in, like, kind of a half circle does a different trick. Uh, and you have to balance your what your character is doing while also balancing the momentum of the bike as that is spinning or doing whatever it's doing. So, you know, sticking those landings can be real difficult. Uh, but when you do it, it's really satisfying to pull off. It's just very hard to pull off for a very long time uh, until you kind of get used to how the momentum works. Uh, I got used to it. I, I like doing the tricks, though I also agree that that system, I can see how that puts people off real fast because the first few times you try to do it, it's hard to get the thing to do the trick you exactly want. Like Sometimes it kind of feels like you're just sort of mashing the stick and hoping for the best. Uh, and I can see how that would drive people crazy. Uh, I don't mind it so much. I just don't think it's a particularly useful addition. It's like, fine, cool, this is a way to score some points on this stuff. That's neat. But, like, it doesn't really change things up that much. It just makes doing that stuff harder. It's, it, it, you know, as an outside observer, sort of, you know, listening to how you describe uh, how you feel about Fusion and how others have described how they feel about Fusion, it feels like that the trick system doesn't necessarily change the series in a way that is complementary to the parts that people already really enjoy about it right like people yeah. enjoy the 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 frustration and the anchor and the the thrill of excitement that comes from you know navigating these really difficult physics puzzles yeah and the trick system doesn't really touch on that part of it it just in some ways maybe makes the base game a little more 
obtuse and, and weird and overcomplicated in ways that get away from the core of what Trials is. Yeah, I mean, at their core, these games are basically platformers on motorcycles. And, you know, the the trick system feels like they tried to bolt a piece of an actual extreme sports game onto this existing platformer. Now, the trick is that the, the trick system doesn't come into play in every track. Like most tracks, you can if you're just trying to get the times, you're just trying to get through the obstacle courses, you don't have to worry about doing tricks. Most of the times there are these specific uh, courses that where that's kind of cordoned off and you have to get scores in those. And that's fine. I think that was probably the best way to handle that because if they're trying to make you do tricks during all of that stuff, it just would have gotten really monotonous really fast. So right. again, I don't mind it because of the fact that a lot of that stuff is sort of off to the side or, you know, relegated to specific tracks while the rest of the time you're still just doing the basic platforming but yeah it doesn't really change the game in a way that you know makes it feel particularly fresh it just feels like okay well you know this is a game where it's ostensibly an extreme sports thing so let's just make you do some tricks because i don't know like it's just kind of there stop stealing my word i don't think you invented the word I'm pretty sure it was no, in the English I, language before Ryan, you discovered Ryan, it. I feel like Ryan invented that yeah. word, and then we we all stole it from him. Motherfucker. As is, as is I, I feel like people don't quite understand uh, what it's like to work with the same people every single day in a capacity where you talk all the time. Yeah. Because that's that's how this stuff happens. That's how these words like gnaw in your brain, and then you suddenly find yourself saying them and not realizing you're saying them until someone finally points it out. It feels like you've been infected with a certain kind of language that you just, you, no matter how try, hard you try to, like, you know, to cure that stuff, it just it never goes away. It's stuck in your brain forever. Yeah, someone coined, like, I've noticed this. I, for whatever reason, started using the term unpacking, and then you started using it, too. Yeah. Let's unpack this, Patrick. Let's unpack yeah, let's Trials un Fusion. Let's do this. See, exactly. Oh, exactly. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, so let's see. I don't know. I, I was thinking maybe I should finally play a Trials game, like really play a Trials game, and, and maybe this is the one to do it, and I got to ignore the trick system. It comes out on the PC next week, uh, which would be a real easy way for me to at least try uh, this, this new Trials game. But I don't know. It also seems like maybe I should go back and, and play Evolution, which did come out on the PC, but I've heard that PC port is garbage. Oh. And was not made by Red Lynx. It was ported by someone else. Whereas the, I guess the PC version coming out next week is actually done in-house at Red Links. It's supposed to be uh, competent. Yeah, I, 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 you know, if you have not really played any of those games before, I think the problems I have with Fusion will not impact your enjoyment of it whatsoever. This is more, I think, a certain degree of fatigue with that series and me just kind of being like, I have played so much Trials HD and so much whatever the last Trials was, Evolution, uh, that this is not having... Like, the novelty has officially worn off on me. But I think I think you will enjoy this. Like, it has all of the core mechanics and all the silly track designs and all the stuff that you would basically want out of a Trials game. I think I've just hit my wall. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it was a a clever take on the platformer, which, you know, I, I think you put aptly is, is that you look at it and you think it's a racing game, but really it is a, it is a platformer at heart and yeah. a, just a devilishly difficult... Uh, physics platformer at heart, and how many of those can you make? You know, at, at some point, at some point, maybe Red Links needs to move on and make something else. Uh, they they clearly have maybe started to run into a wall when it comes to finding new ways to to make trials feel fresh. And you know, they've made 
a bunch of these. That happens to every game at some point, yeah. especially for one that is, you know, fairly simple conceptually, uh, like like Trials. Yeah, for sure. Uh, beyond that, uh, I played some more Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, which I'm still inexplicably enjoying. Like, I've got four of the mini games now, and I've I've been playing through a bunch of those, and the story continues uh, Rusty's Downward Spiral into... <laughs> That's a better name. Abject Rusty's misery. downward spiral into abject misery. Uh, yeah, it won't sell. I don't think it'll sell with that name as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That game's fun and weird in a lot of ways. I might write something about it eventually. We'll see. Like once I get all the games unlocked, because I I don't know. There's there's like a weird allegory for Nintendo somewhere buried in that game. I just need to kind of figure out, like unpack, if you will, what it is. Uh, but it's. Well, I think I think it's you're right that I've, this game seems reflective of Nintendo in a place in time where they are trying to figure out what their place is in video games in 2014 as business models change and they have to change how they approach design and and the player experience. You know, which Nintendo, if nothing else, uh, always seems to be thinking about the player first. They may not always get things like interfaces right, but they always seem well intentioned. When even with something like Rusty, which is you know a free-to-play game, sort of within app purchases, sort of, and yeah, I, I think you know whether you actually write a review or not, if you actually played all through what Rusty has to offer and see how deep his despair goes, you could probably write a pretty interesting piece that is not so much whether that game is worth playing, but what this sort of says about Nintendo and how they are exploring you know exactly what they could do this this time around think of it this way think of rusty as nintendo management think of rusty's wife as the nintendo audience think of Uh his children as the developers that work at nintendo that are just trying to get you know get old rusty back on his horse and the game itself as like this weird exploration of nintendo just realizing that their old ways have passed them by, and so now they're trying to, you know, update themselves with this sort of modern take on, you know, free-to-play, which is something they've never done before. It's like, there's all these there's all these layers, man. There are layers to this. Time is a flat circle. I know! Nintendo. Ah! I don't know. It's does, just, that reference, does that reference still work? Uh, probably like, not. A month and a half later? Is, Close <laughs> does enough. Does that just go everyone's head? Yeah. I mean, I think we're now at the point now where, where, where time is a flat circle is the sort of thing like, you know, radio DJs are yelling in the morning. So that this <laughs> that's perfect for this. That's like, It's just an old enough reference that that is the only way, that that is where it belongs. All right. That's that's fair. I, well, I would, I, would, I would love to see something more on Old Rusty, even if it's just to learn more about... You should play it. It's fun. It is a fun game. I, da- I downloaded it. I downloaded right. it. I, I just haven't. I just haven't checked it out yet. But uh, and Nintendo sent over a, a code for the the new Kirby game, Ooh. which comes out soon. Oh, I, I want to play. I that. don't know when I can talk about it, but I haven't played it yet. And yeah. I've not played. I probably haven't played a Kirby game since Epic Yarn. I didn't play the last one that came out on DS. Mm. But I played Epic Yarn, which while I did enjoy. It was too easy, and about halfway through, my I, I just kind of, it's, it's I kind of I finished it. But are you getting angry? Are you getting you angry on the eyes? other side of this? You see these eyes? Uh huh. These are murder eyes. I'm not. I'm giving I you. I really the murder liked eyes. it. I I enjoyed it. I but it wasn't. There wasn't much to do in that game sometimes. 
it doesn't work when the camera stays on me. <laughs> I know I had to make some some noise there just to get it to go over to my side. Damn you, Patrick. Uh, anything you play anything else this week? Uh well, I was going to do that uh FTL quick look and then Brad just went ahead and did one, so I had been playing some of that. Too. What? We are all really good at communicating with one another. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and record something <laughs> anyway today, uh and maybe not a quick look, but uh Patrick did do a stream. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going to record another thing. Brad uh, Brad didn't show off the new ship or one of any of the new ships because I think he hadn't unlocked them yet. So I'm going to do a mm. run with uh, with one of the new alien ships just to kind of show go. off some of that stuff. So I need to I need to download that on on iPad. I mean, I guess I can download it on the PC too. But in my pursuit of not getting away from my PC, it sounds like that that game is pretty great on iPad too. It is. Do they is the quick look of the iPad version or is it of no. the PC version? How are they going to quick look okay. iPad versions? Do they have they don't have the tech to do that? Yeah, it's the, the iPad that literally has an an HDMI Does connection. It? Oh. With an adapter, yeah. Yeah, what like do I know? Bucks. Fuck, I don't know, man. Uh no, they Not showed I'm pretty sure they showed the PC version. So, I think that was what they went with. All right. Well, I I need to check out check out that iPad version. I don't have any I guess I do have flights coming up, but not till until May. Aeroplanes. Uh, aeroplanes. Yes. Um, what else did I play this week? I played a little bit of Fract OSC. How is that? Which is coming out next week. I don't know what I'm allowed to say about it. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't look at the embargo sheet or if there is an embargo sheet. There was something that came with the code, so I will... I will keep mum on that, and I can probably talk about it on Monday because it'll be the day before it comes out. But uh, Fract OSC comes out next week, the 22nd. Uh, there's been some trailers that have been up on the site before because I'm super excited about that game. But in in short, it is a first-person puzzle game uh, with a heavy emphasis on um, music creation, uh, music influence on the visual design and uh, the actual environment. Uh, it's like the music is really kind of fused into the world, and it's all synthesizers. Mm. It all sounds like you're in a John Carpenter soundtrack. Okay. And it's, it's I'll say this, that part is fucking awesome. Cool. <laughs> it's, yeah, so it's it's pretty fantastic. The music is is, is wonderful, uh, but I'm, I've only played like an hour, so I've only just started poking at it. I know Vinny was getting pretty deep into it, so when he's back in the office, he's going to... He's gonna put something together for that game because that man knows how to make some music, so he probably he can probably speak to that. Yeah, he's well. certainly better than than I am. I mean, all I can do is play drums. I can't I can't make actual music. Those aren't. That's not an instrument. No. That's just whacking on pans. That's an anger management therapy. That's not actual music. <laughs> then you just layer guitars over that, and then just. Oh yeah, now it's music. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the other thing I did play, which I don't, I, I played a little bit of, and you and I were talking about maybe doing a thing for, was that Secret of Grindia game, which is now up on, I guess, Steam and early access. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually on Steam yet, okay. but it's, you can buy beta access through their website. I played like an hour of that. We we should record a thing uh, on that today because I think we will. It seems pretty fantastic. And it has online multiplayer, so it's something that you and I can uh, can do, despite being in different regions. But uh, there's a trailer on the site. Uh, long story short, it is heavily inspired by old school, and by old school I mean SNES era uh, multiplayer RPGs. Uh, think your Secret of Mana's, mm-hmm. or think of if Legend of Zelda, with like a heavy RPG system, right? Uh, had multiplayer. It. It seems pretty great. So yeah. it's Secrets of Grind- Grindia, right? Grindia? Grindia? I said Grindia. Yeah, I, that's that's what I'm going with. 
That sounds about right. And it's like the premise of the game is that you are becoming the collector, which it's it's a pretty well executed joke because the way you become the collector in this not spoiler it's in the first couple minutes is that you know a rare card drop occurs. So the game, the whole game is premised around the fact that you are grinding out like these wet, these item drops, and the person who gets the best item drop gets to become the collector, and then you can go on quests. And it's a fairly funny meta commentary on uh, a genre that uh, has a lot of tropes. Yeah, it, it's it's sure. it's a lot of very knowing nudge wink type jokes that you'll you'll see immediately in character names and in dialogue and just about everything that happens in it. But. Uh, the art style is really cute, uh, and the gameplay actually seems like it's pretty fun. So I'm I'm looking forward to checking out some more of that with you. Yeah, yeah. So we will check that out later today. Maybe put something up on the site for an unfinished on Monday. But I believe that I believe that's most of what I'm playing. I'm playing a bunch of Halfman Hero Two, which I briefly mentioned on Monday, and I don't know how this game could be 20 hours, but it seems like it's definitely going to be 20 hours. the The game starts with being a satirical take on JRPG stories and then at some point stops being a satirical take and is just a really generic amnesia generations JRPG story. It's not really funny anymore and it's it's really bumming me out oh. that they're really going to drag this out for as long as it seems like it's going to happen because the core concept of the 30-second loop in which it accelerates a lot of the mechanics of a JRPG was really fun for a little while, like six hours. And now we're, we're going to get into three times long, uh, of that. And I just, I, I'm probably going to finish it because I have a, a bad habit of not stopping games. I start, but mm, Mm -mm. mm, Mm -mm. I had made the mistake of pulling up the achievements list and going, Oh no, I've only finished two chapters. This keeps going. Three or four more. Oh, man. This is disastrous. So Uh, I really enjoy Half Minute Hero 2. There's a quick look up on the site, but maybe maybe play that game in shorter spurts because it is it does not hold up to playing two hours at a time. That's for sure. Damn. That is unfortunate. Uh, Maybe we should talk about some news. Yeah, I guess I guess some stuff happened. Some things happened this week. uh, Marty O'Donnell no longer at Bungie. Yeah. He tweeted out earlier this week that he was terminated without cause from Bungie's board of directors. And then Bungie published a short blog post saying they say this day would never come, which was sort of a weird and ominous blog title. Yeah. And then had a short little bit saying, ah, thank you for your service, Marty. Marty has been the in-house composer at Bungie for a very, very long time i believe going back to the myth days mm-hmm. of bungie and uh, obviously is uh, responsible for probably if not the most memorable certainly top three most memorable modern game soundtracks the the sort of uh main halo theme yep. is, is absolutely up there at least for me in terms of you know themes that come to mind of the last 10 to 15 years yeah, it's it's a weird story because you know that that tweet makes it sound like it was a very contentious, you know, kind of like unexpected, unhappy thing. Then there's that blog post, which is extremely short, but you know tries to be as complimentary as it can in the you know hundred or so words that it is. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what to make of this story. Like, there's been a lot of weird, you know, these sort of contentious releases, you know, Amy Hennig leaving, uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And now, you know, this, I mean, obviously, none of these have anything to do with each other, but it's just a very strange... Or do they? Or do... It, chemtrails. See? Yeah. It all ties together. Uh, I don't know. Like, what, what do you make of this? Like, I don't know if you've ever met Marty or know anything about him. I, I know exactly zero about you know, most of the people that, that work at Bungie, unfortunately, I'm curious if you have any perspective on this. Cause I, I, I just, it just looks really odd from the outside looking in. I've, I met him years and years ago back when I like when I first lived in the Chicagoland area before I moved out to San Francisco and I did a segment for the one up show while I was still in college and he had come out for, I think not video games live, but the other one where they travel around with composers and do you know orchestral soundtracks to, uh, with an actual orchestra to audiences. So he he was in town and I, I interviewed him uh, and he seemed you know exceptionally nice. And I've heard nothing but you know the nicest things about him from folks who have worked with him. But you know he'd worked there for a long long time and you can't work at places forever. You know whether you know it's the language that was used here with Marty the terminated without cause sure sounds awfully nasty, especially contrasted against a blog post that fails to acknowledge any of that. Right. You know, I don't expect them to break down the legalese that might be involved in... Uh, Without cause of... is just like a legal term, though. Like, that's yes. just a that's just a thing that they have to say as part of, like, legal... Like, explaining that there wasn't, like, a specific firing reason. Right, but it sounds awfully yeah. ominous. And yeah. it could be, you know? It, there, there could have been frustrations behind the scenes that that we are not aware of that will never quite come to light. Um, but, you know, it's... He did some great stuff with Bungie. You know, on that level, it is it is sad to see him go. You know, I think my you know chief concern with Destiny is more how it plays than, than the music coming out of it. But obviously, you know, given what Marty contributed to the Halo series, you know, that's a huge part of my memories of the Halo games yeah. is that the soundtracks were so great because I think most video game soundtracks are pretty terrible uh, or at least not memorable in, in the ways that, that, that Halo was. I mean, Halo was great because when you, every time you got into a battle, you're like, dun na 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 dun na 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 Like, it was tied into the gameplay. Like, it wasn't just music layered over the experience. It was part of the experience, which is a testament to how Bungie and their sound designers implemented what Marty created, but... You know, the way the sound worked in Halo was just something else. It wasn't just that it was a memorable soundtrack. It's that it was tied to my memories of playing the game. And, you know, I'm curious to see how that plays out in Destiny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's given that he hasn't made a bad soundtrack yet, it's it's hard to look at this as a positive without knowing the full story. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that, you know, pans out when we hear what Destiny's music sounds like. You know, for all I know, maybe he just decided to get a bunch of klezmers together and fucking, you know, make an Oompa Loompa soundtrack to that game, which I, I, that, that would be a good reason to fire someone if that happened. I, you know, <laughs> Oompa Loompa soundtrack. <laughs> Chris Tilton in the chat, who is a composer himself, um, mentions that some other top people have left. Uh, what was it, Joe Staten? Staten? Yeah. Uh, has left Bungie as well. So, you know, maybe they're. You know, as he points out, maybe it's just sort of a change, changing of the guard time yeah. at, at Bungie. You know, folks have been there uh, for as long as that studio has been around. I actually think Marty might have been around there since the Chicago days when when uh, Bungie was back in the Midwest making Myth and uh, Marathon. And you know, ma- you know, just like Naughty Dog, maybe it's just time for people to move on to other things. Younger folks 
are are hungry and they want control and you know sometimes that ends up requiring folks to leave in the process so again it's tough because we will never quite know the full story or at least maybe it won't be a while till we have a better insight into exactly how this played out but yeah you know it it could be exactly what the studio needs it could be some horrible horrible thing where a big fight ensued but now i'm curious to see what happens with like the Paul McCartney collaboration yeah. that he had going on. Are those things finished? Is he going to come in and do contract work to get that stuff done? Like, eh, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but I don't know. I, I'm. How do you even feel about Destiny at this point? I don't know how to feel about Destiny because I've never actually... That's been, where I'm too. I've never been able to sit down and play it. Uh, they haven't afforded a ton of opportunities to do that thus far. I imagine E3 is where they will really get their push to get people to, to try the thing. But, I mean, you know, on paper it sounds great, and I mean, the videos they've shown look interesting, I guess. It's just, it still feels like a weird X-Factor at this point. It doesn't feel like they've really gone as far as they could to get all the information out there about this game, you know, ahead of time, especially considering it's a new franchise, admittedly from a tested studio that, you know, people respect and and, and recognize, but... You know, it, it does feel like they've been kind of holding back on that game for a while, and I'm I'm sort of hoping that rectifies itself soon because that game's coming out this year, right? September. Yeah. So they kind yeah, of. I, they got I, I've always felt like they haven't really communicated what that game is. I I can't tell. You know, I could describe it to you. Yeah. But it would mostly just be listing off their own description. You know, maybe it's something that will make a lot more sense when the beta goes live. That's supposed to happen. Know, ahead of the game's release so sometime in the next couple of months we should you know have a better sense of exactly what's going on uh, with destiny I'm you know it's Bungie so they're a studio that you know is in a pedigree where they get the benefit of the doubt but I, I can't say if it wasn't Bungie making it that I'd be all that excited about it right now yeah fair enough uh I don't want to dwell on this very long I just want to acknowledge that they exist and then we can move on from it Right, yeah, Disney Infinity is adding Marvel characters. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was talking about. Uh, actually, that uh, so I guess that Disney report that went up, uh, went up went up on some fan site, and they had to say, this information is incorrect. You will learn more about the future of Destiny on April 30th. Oh, God, please don't kill us. So uh, maybe Marvel is coming to Disney? I don't know. You were talking about MPD numbers. I was talking about MPD numbers. Uh, I, again, don't want to dwell on this at all. Uh, we'll just say the Xbox One has shipped 5 million units into stores. The PS4 has sold through 7 million units. Titanfall was the number one game last month. Infamous, South Park, Call of Duty, Dark Souls 2 round out the top five below that. That is it. That is it. That is my NPD commentary. I have nothing else to say. It seems like games are doing pretty good. Video games. Sold more video games. Hooray, video you know games. What? That's a really good top five. Yeah. Those are some good video games. There are some good like video games pe- on there. People chose well in the month of March. Uh, you know, I. the reason we, you know, you and I are acting, you know, dismissive of, of this is not that numbers aren't important, not that sales aren't important, but that I really just have zero interest in getting tied up in the combative rhetoric about who's winning month to month. Yeah. It's, it's it's just not that interesting month to month in the first six months of a console uh, life cycle tells us very little and gets us to quickly forget that, you know, things like PS3 stumbled out of the gate and then went on to sell just fine over the course of uh, its history. Not to say that's 
what will happen with Xbox One. It could all be a fiery car wreck, but it's just none of this tells us anything except to be a snapshot of where we are very early in a several-year life cycle. And if anything, I think it's exciting to watch one company struggle, not because I'm some sort of, you know, I need some sort of validation of the fact that I bought a PS4 last fall, but because it makes that other company hungrier. Yeah. You know, that, that means we all get better games, better deals, uh, cheaper prices uh, when things are more competitive. So if anything, I want this stuff to be closer. I want them to be neck and neck as much as possible because that benefits you guys, that benefits me, that benefits the game developers, like, it's, it's to our benefit that they are cutthroat, and that's all I get out of these numbers is wanting to see more competition because I have all the machines, and even if I didn't, even in the times when I did not have all the machines, I, I, didn't, I don't get anything out of cheerleading over sales numbers. It just bums me out. Well, let me ask you this question then. Did you get anything out of that Ars Technica article that came out this week about all the uh, the Steam da- uh, user data uh, about you know usage and and what you know what percentage of games are, are actually being bought and then never played and all that stuff? Did you did you get a chance to look at that? Uh, I haven't read the whole article, but I find it fascinating uh, purely from a reporting perspective um, the amount of uh, their, their methodology. Yes, for people who haven't seen it, it's at Ars Technica specifically. Uh, the writer Kyle's uh, Kyle Orland uh, used the publicly available Steam uh, user profile data to try and figure out what are the most played, uh, the best selling, uh, the most popular games on Steam, uh, which is not for as much as we think. You know, Valve discloses a lot of data; like it secretly does not disclose very much data at all. But they collect a lot of it, uh, and so there's an Ars Technica article. Uh, breaking down what we can maybe gather from uh, what is available on public Steam pages. And it's it's a fascinating piece that I need to, to spend more time actually reading through. But you know, the, the one thing that people have brought up that I think Kyle has addressed in a follow-up piece, um, but is certainly one of the initial concerns I had, which is the tracking data right. is not necessarily always accurate. Uh, for example, I've played dozens of hours of Binding and Isaac, and yet it only reports that I've played like 90 minutes or something like that. It just stopped recording that. Maybe that's because it's like a flash window that comes up. I have no idea. But, you know, the Steam tracking is not 100% consistent. But I think Kyle outlines his methodology in a way that allows you to get some sense of what's happening on Steam. And, I don't know, God willing, maybe it forces Valve to release a little more information. But yeah. probably not. Transparency in in video game data is something that you know has never really existed in the form that say like you know box office numbers are in the film industry uh, or you know record sales used to be in the in the music industry before people stopped buying music uh, and I, I've always found that really unfortunate but I also think that you know there's a certain value in not necessarily having those numbers at your fingertips all the time because it sort of keeps the conversation less about just who's selling the most. Uh, as the only sort of benchmark for quality, which is what tends to happen a lot with with film stuff. Like the box office ends up mattering, you know, in a weird way that isn't really necessarily conducive to the conversation about, you know, the actual films or criticism or any of that stuff. Uh, 
that said, you know, I, it would be nice if there was a way to actually see the, the, the information that's like the actual data that NPD puts out there, like what are the actual numbers. Like sometimes that stuff gets released, but it's only when it's positive and the publisher actually wants that info out there. And it just it makes it feel kind of useless. Like I've never really found NPD that trustworthy because they still don't really track digital sales at all, do they? They they account for it in in some way, but yes, they that's that's so that's really why I don't get caught up in a lot of this stuff is we don't have enough information. Uh, NPD releases fewer and fewer bits of data every single year because the publishers have wrestled that control away from NPD. Uh, Steam releases precious little data about uh, PC sales, and what this allows video game companies to do, and Valve is culpable in this as well, is paint their own narratives. Uh, we don't have enough information so to actually accurately talk about any of this, and that's what's frustrating is because people are so quick to grab the first piece of data that fulfills their own personal narrative, whether it's you know, the console war or uh, something about, you know, a game they bought that they wanted to, you know, validate that has sold really well. We just don't have enough information to make any of those arguments. So that's what makes all these arguments so goddamn frustrating is because you're arguing over nothing because the game industry has systemically removed every piece of information that allows us to even make a credible uh, data-driven argument about the state of the games industry. So while I agree with you that the box office stuff isn't all that interesting, you know, relative to actually talking about the movies and the content therein, at least the data's there. Yeah. You know, there's still fuzzy math in Hollywood too, but you have some piece of concrete information to work with that you can actually have a discussion. That is not true of video games. So all it does is just lead to big headlines that websites get to run and big threads uh, on various message boards and, and dumb Twitter fights. And you're all fighting over nothing because you don't actually have any useful information uh, to draw from. And that's what I find frustrating. And it has more of a frustration to do with the industry itself uh, because they perpetuate secrecy in a really, really frustrating manner uh, that allows them to do things like, you know... Uh, you know the Xbox One. You know five million shipped to retail as opposed to sold to consumers. Like because we don't have the data, they're allowed to get away with stuff like that uh, until you know people poke and prod a little bit further to get them to be honest about it, and that's just really frustrating. Big headlines, big numbers, big plays. Woo! That was actually a pretty good rant, Patrick. I like that. Thanks. That was good. Thanks. It was good work. So it was subject to my latest, my next PAX panel. Numbers are stupid. Fuck numbers. Who cares about math? That's I, dude. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. So let's see. Uh, so the PS4 is going to get like this uh, share factory. Yeah. What is that? Some new. Uh, it's just new editing tools. Okay. It's like video. Yeah, the there's Xbox. like video editing stuff attached to that, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. The Xbox One has definitely had the advantage in terms of. Uh, being able to create clips and, and things like that. So it seems like Sony is catching up. And, you know, i got to give Microsoft credit. They've had a pretty regular set of updates for the Xbox One, which, that you know, leading up, and even after the release of Titanfall, which has kind of kept, um, you know, the Xbox One at the forefront of people people's thoughts. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that Nuclear Throne, you can now buy straight through Twitch. Hmm. Uh, the same way that you can uh, subscribe to a Twitch channel. Uh, and, and, you know, pay that person a little bit of money um, in order to, uh, 
to, to watch their channel more. Uh, I forget what actually subscribing gets you. I think maybe you can access the archives or, or something like that. But either way, now uh, when people are streaming Nuclear Throne, you can just hit a button and then purchase Nuclear Throne uh, through Twitch, which I think is, is really smart and really cool. And, you know, if you're just kind of cruising through different streams and you see something interesting and you suddenly get the impulse to, man, I, I, I really want to play this game, having a button there that allows you to do that, that's that's seems like a really cool use of uh, that service. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily want Twitch to turn into, you know, a retail location, so to speak, but I, I do think that is that is probably a very handy, smart co-marketing thing that someone probably should have thought of a long time ago, if I'm completely honest. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's it seems like Twitch is doing some interesting things in a couple different directions. They also announced this week that they're they invested or they matched a sort of Twitch-based or Twitch-centric video game. I forget what the the game is actually called, but they were looking for thirty thousand dollars. They'd raise fifteen. Uh, Twitch invests Kickstarter Choice Chamber. Let's see. So they'd raised 15 and then Twitch matched uh, the other 15 because I believe it's sort of a community-based game that uh, runs through Twitch. And Twitch decided, hey, you know what? We're going to invest the 15. And, you know, it's not like they control the IP or anything like that. They are literally just, they gave them the funds so they can go make that game. And that's cool. It's it's neat to see Twitch kind of branching out and, and trying some interesting things for sure. Definitely. Uh, before we take questions, I just want to talk about what is absolutely the most important news of the week, which we save for last, obviously, because it's the best. Snoop Dogg has provided voice work for Call of Duty Ghost multiplayer matches. You can buy a voice pack that will have Snoop Dogg's voice narrate everything that's going on in your Call of Duty Ghost matches. Patrick, on a scale of super excited to this is the best thing ever, how excited are you for this? Can we go back to talking about MPD numbers? No! You have to talk about Snoop Dogg now. No, I don't have to do anything. Okay, well, here, let me reframe the question. If uh-huh. you could pay to have anyone narrate mm. your Call of Duty ghost matches, whose voice would you pay for? Sterling Archer. Oh, you just want H. John Benjamin narrating? Yeah, oh, but as Archer. Yeah. I think that would be good. He just yells danger zone every time, like, an explosion happens. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about you? Well, I was going to say Orson Welles, but he's dead. <laughs> so. Okay. I'm going to go with my second choice. Mm-hmm. Which is Rick Moranis. <laughs> I don't know. That was the first name that came into my mind. I wasn't really thinking that whole bit through, and I'm completely honest with you. <sighs> Oh, so so you, you throw the bit at me, yeah. but then I throw the bit back at you, and it's like, oh, no, why don't I come up with something on the spot? Yeah, I don't know. Look, man, I don't know. Uh, I um, Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. That would be a good one. It's real he's nasty. Uh, he's the he's a Tywin Lannister. He's the... the, the oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, different game Different Game of Thrones characters would be... I, I could be down for that. Yeah. Just a Game of Thrones pack. Yeah. Let's see. All right, let's uh, let's get to some questions. Because uh, I don't think there's any other... There's a new Blood Rain game coming from Arc System Works. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, why not? I didn't play that Way Forward game. I heard it was not that great. Mm. Mm. Matt Matt 87 with the booming interest in indie games, is it more beneficial for a new developer to build his own indie game rather than try to work for an established company? That's... 
you know, that is a supremely broad question. Yeah. I think that is a very particular to an individual situation. I believe there, you know, there's more opportunity than ever before to go independent. There are more support systems and distribution networks than ever before. So if you want to go independent, it has never been easier but I'd also argue it's also never been harder to succeed uh, because there's much more noise. Getting on Steam is no longer a guarantee of financial success. So just publishing your game uh, is its kind of like in games writing and stuff like that. It's, it's much easier to get into that these days. You can get a blog anywhere or have a public platform on Twitter. But getting noticed, getting heard, getting paid to do it, that's probably harder than it's ever been. And... I'd say the same probably applies to to game development. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that whether or not you're trying to get a real studio job or if you're trying to form your own thing, making your own game, just making stuff on your own is never a bad thing because even if you do decide, I want to go work for a real, you know, like a major studio and not just, you know, create my own independent company, that's stuff you can use in your resume. Like, look, I built this thing. I made this, you know. Even if you're not making tons of money off your, your independent projects, that stuff that you can use down the road to you know, to further yourself, regardless. So, I mean, you know, there's there's always value in going out and creating things on your own. But uh, you know, situationally, I mean, it's it like you said, it's an incredibly broad question, and it, it could mean a million different things for a million different people. DWS, have you gone through the comments and you and Zoe's panel? Oh, I didn't read the rest of this. <laughs> I thought he just said, have you gone through the comments about uh, the panel I did with Zoe Quinn of uh, Depression Quest at PAX, which the archive went up yesterday. And the comments on the site, though, you know, partially moderated, just like anything else, like surprisingly constructive. I think people uh, have been very thoughtful in, in talking about uh, what uh, Zoe and I presented, both whether they uh, whether they agreed with us or had some problems with some of our uh, our arguments. I uh, actually a lot of really interesting conversations happening uh, in in that comment section. But when I started DW's question, I did not read the end of it, which said, "Have you read the comments over on Reddit?" Definitely not. <laughs> I've not read uh, the comments over on Reddit. Uh, I'll. So I can't say anything about them, but I'm sure they are fascinating. Yeah, I bet they're a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know. I don't like to, to pigeonhole the Reddit community because they're, they're... No, I don't want to paint with too broad of yeah. a brush. They're, I look at Reddit every single day. They're a great source of funny images. And actually, like the the game section, I got really disappointed that they swapped. So, like you know, like images are basically the most popular thing to be posted sure. on Reddit. Uh, so the game section, I guess, like slash games or slash G, uh, I'm not super up on the construction of Reddit. But anyway, th- the first games page used to be articles, uh, but then they swapped that to just funny game images and funny game memes. But if you go to the actual uh, ranked uh, game article links, uh, which for, for Reddit's game section, it's actually really good. And I, I find a lot of good conversations happen there. Yep. Uh, I think maybe partially because it's a smaller community. Whereas uh, a lot of the traffic is focused on the the image section, but anyway, that's my long way of saying what you were also saying, which is that you know I don't want to just say Reddit because that's yeah. you know that's too dismissive of what is a very large community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to lump in the you know the angry people in, in one section of Reddit with like you know the kind-hearted folks that say are shitting advice. You know, that's exactly. not that's not a thing you want to do. So, uh, Blue Torch TV asks. <clears throat> Do you have any guest host lined up for uh, Scoops and the Wolf? Yes, we are going to get back on the guest train. I have been bad about that since we 
uh, sort of ran out of guests earlier in the year. Uh, uh, Rami of Lambeer should be with us on Monday. Cool. Um, he uh, has said that he should be uh, available then, so hopefully he is with us. And we'll double-check that today to make sure that happens. But, yes, I have reached out to some folks, and we are going to get back to having people on Monday again. So if you have any suggestions, feel free. Uh, don't mention them in the chat because the chat doesn't live forever. I won't see it. But if you send me a private message, I can uh, I can definitely consider that for uh, the future. Yeah. Mm, let's see. Let's do one more question. Ba, 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 ba. Mm, people ask about Spider-Man not coming out in Xbox One. I saw a little talk about that, but I don't. I don't. That sounds like what happens when a game fails cert. Like you, the, you don't yeah. know when the game is going to come out because there's failed certification, so you have to redo a bunch of things. So that's pro. I'm. I, that's a guess, but that's my guess as to what happened. Uh, here's a good one to end on. Uh, just one gamer says, "Are you guys surprised about Nintendo's current console downfall?" Which he says in quotes. And were they destined to be in this situation after the huge success of the Wii? Do they bounce back next gen? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, aren't they already in next gen? Technically, isn't that what what's happening? Now? I guess the one after 3DS and Wii U. Is, is there going to be another one after 3DS? I mean, I guess yeah. They're doing that uh, that other thing that is supposed to be a little bit more vitality focused. Like the I, I don't remember exactly what the deal was, but I don't know. I mean, we've talked at length about this stuff before about you know the the Wii U struggles, the the current state of the 3DS, what's going on with Nintendo. Uh, I don't know that I have anything particularly new to add to that conversation right now. Like, do I think they can bounce back? Yeah, they just need to start making some better decisions and also maybe start, you know, putting out some more games that are more interesting to people. Like, you know, yeah, Smash Brothers is probably going to do just fine for them. I'm sure Mario Kart will move some some units and some consoles, but it's like, you know, the, them doing what they've been continuing to do is not necessarily what's going to get them out of this hole. And, you know, that's 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 been my opinion all along, so... I think big picture, you know, let's take Nintendo out of the equation. The video game industry is a f- it is fickle, and it is cyclical, and as soon as you rise, you are going to fall uh, very quickly, and that has been proven out generation after generation, that it is very uncommon for a hardware manufacturer to be dominant one cycle and then be dominant the cycle after that. Yeah. Nintendo pulled that off, Sony pulled that off, but nothing lasts forever, and Nintendo's highs are so high. They are so much higher than anyone else's highs. They typically. are so high right now. Exactly. Well, well that, they were. Rusty looks a little bit yeah. like he's been hitting it. Yeah. And their lows are much lower than most people's. Uh, so that's just kind of how Nintendo has worked. It's kind of how the video game industry works. You know, they they throw out oddball ideas, and when they connect, they you know they really go the distance. But when they don't, you know, you have situations like uh, we're looking at now where they're sort of brute forcing it with just tons of software on the 3DS and they just can't quite, you know, give that same uh, sort of attention to the Wii U. So, you know, I think it is, you know, this applies to Nintendo more so because they've been here before, but that's also, you know, I think, you know, I'm I'm with you, Alex, that they have been here before. And whether they bounce back to the same uh, sorts of highs they've been in the past, you know, Nintendo is not going anywhere, uh, and I'm mostly just curious to see where they go next. I think this E3 should be interesting, but next E3 is probably the one we're really waiting for in terms of what Nintendo does next. That said, so. pretty sure Tamodachi Life is going to be the best-selling game of all time. Oh, my God. I am so excited for Tamodachi Life. Yeah. 
Oh, that game looks great. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for that video game. That's the end of May, right? June 6th. June 6th, Just okay. before E3. So well, not that far, but then. far enough. Yeah. All right. So that is it for this week. We will be back again on Monday morning, uh, hopefully joined by Rami of Vlam Beer. Uh, what are you What are you playing this weekend, Alex? Uh, let's see. I am going to probably inevitably play some more Trials, even though I, I feel like I'm almost done with it at this point. Uh, continue on my, my Rusty's Real Deal baseball adventure. Uh, and then I think I might actually uh, start trying to play some Age of Wonders 3. I bought that on a whim after hearing a bunch of people say some really nice things about it, and I kind of want to check it out, so I'm going to do that. What, uh, what was that? What was that other strategy game you were going to try uh, to play? Well, it was Galsiv Three, but that was uh, it's an early access, and it's like it doesn't even right, have a tutorial early, right? yet, so it barely works uh, if you don't know what you're doing, which I don't. So uh, I'm, I will come back to that when there is a little bit more game in there. Uh, for folks asking, uh, there is no Super Professional Friday or the Brown Line is one of the ideas being tossed around. That That's gross, really but good. good. That's a, it's a really great name. Uh, nothing this week. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dave Lang's uh, truck uh, for Iron Galaxy came back uh, pretty late, so uh, they weren't able to get their studio set up in time to do anything this week. But we'll try to do something next week. But like I said, that's because I have uh, two other folks that don't work for Giant Bomb. Uh, their schedules are a little erratic, but we're hopeful to do something next week. I've already got the game picked out. I'm very excited about it. Um, it should be a good time, but it'll be back, and hopefully it'll happen next week. But Uh, No guarantees. So, Alex, uh, I will talk to you on Monday. Oh.